Hey everybody, good evening. It is Detroit Sports Weekly right here on Detroit.themajors.net. I am Adam Hernandez. Our number to call in, 734-259-4941. Leave us feedback on our Facebook page as well, facebook.com slash themajorsx. Um, big stuff for you going on today, obviously. This is the last show um, before... We head into the ALDS with the Detroit Tigers. It is obviously a very, very, very exciting time right now, uh, considering, you know, they haven't been there since 2006. So before we get into any of that, though, we are I do have our fan question up for you that is on our uh, Facebook page as I speak, and I'm going to give it to you right now. Um, as the Tigers head into the postseason, what one thing are you most concerned about with their team? Uh, like I said, call in 734-259-4941. Text in 734-273-9982. Leave us feedback on that Facebook page as well. It is up there right now. Uh, get back to us on that one. Um, that is uh, facebook.com slash the X. Uh, exciting show today. Also, we have Rob Hogan from Detroit Tigers Talk 24-7. Um, we'll be on with him at about 7.05 uh, just after the hour. Uh, just after the top of the hour, we will be discussing the Detroit Tigers. We will be discussing postseason rosters. We'll be discussing pitch, pitching rotations. Uh, we'll be discussing possible first uh, first round matchups here, and uh, where Jim Leland and Dave Dombrowski stand as far as uh, AL Manager of the Year and potentially for Dombrowski uh, Executive of the Year. So again, make sure you stay tuned for that. Rob Hogan, Detroit Tigers Talk 24-7, will be on with me tonight. So, uh, like I said, stay tuned for that. It will be very, very exciting. Um, also, our weekend rundown. Obviously, we have the Tigers playing their uh, season finale tonight, their regular season finale, uh, 7.05 Eastern Time from Comerica Park. Um, I'm not actually sure if the tarp is on the field right now. That game's going to get going in about a half hour. Uh, we've got uh, Zach McAllister. Uh, taking on Rick Porcello, Rick Porcello's final tune-up before the uh, before the postseason. He's slated to go probably uh, in um, in the in the in the fourth game of the ALDS. So you know Jim Leland and uh, that coaching staff is going to get one last good look at him before uh, before everything starts. Uh, the games or the ALDS will start for the Tigers uh, this week or I'm sorry, not this weekend, but this Friday. It's either going to be at 5.07 if they open up at home, if they get home field advantage, 5.07 from Comerica Park. If they open up on the road, which uh, probably looks like it might be in the Bronx against the Yankees, I believe that's going to be an 8.35 start. So there's still a lot to be determined, and it's going to be an exciting night of baseball tonight, not just with the Tigers. We've got uh, two AL and NL wildcard uh, Races tied up on the last day right now. Uh, the Yank, or I'm sorry, Tampa Bay, Boston's tied up in the American League, and we've got um, and we've got uh, St. Louis and Atlanta right now tied up as well in the National League. So um, again, there's still a lot to be determined tonight. We've got uh, we've got Texas playing Anaheim tonight. Uh, you know, obviously, if the Rangers lose and the Tigers win, then the Tigers get home field. If both teams win, then you know. Texas still keeps it, and if both team lose, or if both Texas and Detroit loses, uh, you know it's obviously uh, still Texas's lead and their home field advantage. So, other than that, as far as our weekend rundown goes, uh, as far as uh, NCAA football, let me go ahead and bring you up that over in the Big Ten as Big Ten gets started this weekend as well. 
in week five of the Big Ten, we've got Minnesota taking on number 19, Michigan, 12 p.m. Eastern time from the Big House. And then we have Michigan State heading over to the Horseshoe, or down to the Horseshoe, excuse me, to take on Ohio State. Big, big matchup for Michigan State there. 3.30 start on that one. Uh, you can catch that one on ABC. Bad news for for football fans in the state of Michigan, though, especially if you're a Lions fan. Uh, Matt Millen will be broadcasting that game on Saturday um, for ABC with the Spartans. So um, that's bad news, obviously. Heading over into the MAC, though, uh, we've got, uh, let's see what we have here in the MAC. Akron taking on Eastern Michigan from Reinerson. Uh, 1 p.m. start on that one. Uh, I don't have a TV listing for that. Northern Illinois is heading up to Mount Pleasant to take on Central Michigan. 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. ESPN 3 is where you can catch that one. And then Western Michigan heads out to Connecticut to take on the Huskies. Uh, 3.30 kickoff on that one as well. ESPN 3. So if you're a Western fan, check that one out as well. I didn't give you a listing for Michigan. Hold on just one second. Let me give you a listing for Michigan, Michigan's game against uh, Minnesota this weekend. You can catch that one over on the Big Ten Network. Uh, let's see what we have here. Oh, we've got the Lions, of course. Uh, let's see. The Lions this weekend are obviously taking on the Dallas Cowboys from the Death Star down in, uh, down in Texas. Uh, 1 p.m. kick on that one. You can catch that one on Fox. Uh, let's see. How much time do I have here? Do I need to take a break? Um, no, we don't need to take a break. Um, or no, we do have to take a break. Excuse me. I'm going to go ahead and take a quick, quick, quick commercial break. This is Detroit Sports Weekly on Detroit.TheMajors.net. We'll be right back. was a boy wizard whose name was Larry Smarter. Larry, why weren't you in Professor Dinky Doodle's mythical creature classification class? Well, I'm taking Algebra 2 in a foreign language. Oh, so you can talk to unicorns? Uh, exactly. Unless they're French. Larry wanted to go to college, so he visited knowhowtogo.org to find the classes he really needed. Getting into college doesn't happen magically. Learn more at knowhowtogo.org. Brought to you by the American Council on Education, Lumina Foundation for Education, and the Ad Council. My sport is football, but my passion is education. My name is Namdi Asmoa, and this is how I live united. I see too many kids miss out on moving up. Kids who could go on to college, but just need that extra little push. So every year, I take promising high school students on a college tour. We check out the dorms, the library, meet some professors, find out where the best late night grub stops are. It shows them that there's a whole world beyond their own. But what's even better is that most of these kids decide college is for them. I'm Namdi Asmoa. I show kids that a higher education means a brighter future. So when it comes to living united, I don't just wear the shirt. I live it. Join me. It takes all of us working together to make a difference. Find out how you can live united for education. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. 
I'm Sarah. I'm Ellen. One night, I was at a bar. One night, I was at a bar. I had one too many drinks. I had one too many drinks. I got behind the wheel. I got a cab. A squirrel ran across the road. A squirrel ran across the road. I swerved. The cab swerved. I hit a guy. The cabbie just missed a guy. I wish I took a cab. Thank goodness I took a cab. You have the choice to save a life. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. Hey everybody, welcome back to Detroit Sports Weekly here on Detroit.themajors.net. 734-259-4941 is the number to call in. Uh, our fan question tonight, what one thing about the Tigers are you most worried about as they head into the postseason? Um, that's posted up on our Facebook page right now, facebook.com slash themajorsx. So make sure you go and you and you take a look at that question, think about it, and then uh, get back with us. Tell us what you think. You can either respond to it on our Facebook page or call in, like I said, 734-259-4941. Uh, we've got, uh, like I said, we've got Rob Hogan uh, from Detroit Tigers Talk 24-7 calling in at about 7 o'clock. Um, we're going to be talking a lot about the Tigers, their playoff um, you know, chances, uh, postseason rosters, uh, first-round matchups here. Jim Leland, Dave Dombrowski, we're going to be going over the whole gambit here. So make sure you tune in for that. Rob Hogan, Detroit Tigers Talk 24-7 um, at about 7 o'clock. So um, that's definitely going to be something you don't want to miss. Also, we're going to be taking you into Grouty Radio tonight, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, over on the majors.net or grouty.com. Uh, so make sure, again, you tune in for that as well. Um, other than that, though, we're going to go ahead. We're going to talk a little bit about, a little bit about the Lions. Obviously, they're coming off a huge, huge, huge win this past Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings on the road at the Metrodome. The last time the Lions actually won at the Metrodome was back in 1997. I think I was starting my um, I think I was starting my first year of high school when they uh, when they won uh, up at the Metrodome. And um, obviously, it was a long, long, long time coming for that. It's kind of surprising, too, because, you know, for a while there, you know, for a little bit, actually, you know, Minnesota was a really good team. In fact, up until a couple years ago, they were a really good team. I mean, we could all remember Brett Favre being there. Hell, he was, what, was slayed last season. Um, I mean, what was it? The beginning of last season is when, you know, Minnesota was considered to be you know, one of those good teams that are supposed to be on their way to the, you know, the postseason and maybe the Super Bowl. Wasn't it last year they opened up the season? The NFL had them open up the season on the, you know, on those marquee Thursday night games against uh, against the New Orleans Saints. 
I think that's what it was. And then, you know, Minnesota ended up flopping because Brett Favre had no business whatsoever uh, playing football at the age he's at right now and the health that he's at. Uh, but obviously the, the Lions played an extremely good game um, in the second half, that is, uh, this past Sunday. It was definitely a tale of two halves. Uh, the first half was, um, you could say it was same old Lions, definitely. I mean, it was 20 to nothing at the end of the first half. The Lions were able to come back and win 26 to 23. They only allowed three points that second half and scored, uh, obviously, 26. Now, you know, you could say you could say anything you want about the Lions. You can go and you, I mean, if you're still one of those doubters out there, uh, you know, talking about, you know, oh well, they still need to do more for me. You know, they, you know, I'm still not convinced. You know, and it seems like that's always what it is with the Lions. Well, with their fans, I mean. Even at the end of last season when they started, um, you know, there would be one thing that they would do. Okay, win, uh, win a game. Okay, they win a game. Okay, win consecutive games. Okay, they win consecutive games. Okay, win a road game. They ended up winning a road game. Okay, win a, win a, win a game against a, a good team. They did that against the Green Bay Packers. And then, you know, even this season, even this season, it's okay. It's like, okay, well, you know, Win on win a division road game. They did that. Now I'm even hearing it again this time around. Okay, well, beat a team that is, um, you know, that that has a winning record. Okay, well, at the time they couldn't, you know, the first game of the season they couldn't beat a team with a winning record because nobody had any wins yet. And right now Tampa Bay, I believe, has a winning record. I believe what they two and one. That loss coming to the Lions. Minnesota's obviously 0-3, but I'll tell you about Minnesota. I don't think they're as bad as people are leading them on to be. Now, what the Lions had to do this past weekend is they had to go into a hostile environment. Minnesota was, was, didn't have a win to their credit. They were at home. They were fired up. and I'm, I was watching it on TV from home. I'm sure everybody can attest to this, that you know, given that crowd there at the Metrodome, it was, it was nuts. It was absolutely nuts there. Now you got to give the Lions a ton of credit for keeping their composure after that after that first half and not lying down and just giving up in the second half. They didn't do that. Now I know Minnesota's had tremendous trouble this year in the second half, but they continue that and they had everything going for them going into that second half. Yet the Lions were able to weather that storm, come back and win that game. And you've got to give it to them. I don't care if I don't care if that was um, let's see, I, I don't care if that was the Jacksonville Jaguars that had a, a forty to nothing lead on the Lions. You, you you can't you you can't deny what the Lions did this past weekend as 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 being good. You can't you can't deny that. It was absolutely remarkable, and I even, I'm even seeing some other stuff on here. You know, trying just still trying to put down what the Lions are doing now. Again, again, I you know people can't you know start saying that you know because you got to look at the, the two different sides of the spectrum here. Okay, you've got those people that are overly critical, and then you've got those people that aren't critical enough and who all of a sudden think that the Lions are going to the Super Bowl now. Or that they're gonna, you know, go sixteen and zero. That's no, that's not the case. That's not the case whatsoever. I said it before the season started that they're going eight and eight, and I'm still sticking to that right now. I mean, the Lions have a, they they have some tough teams coming up. 
I mean, this weekend against Dallas, I don't think that that's going to be a totally, you know, a, a game that's, you know, that the Lions are going to go in there and put up a bunch of points and win it handedly. I mean, Tony Romo did a good job this past weekend against uh, against the Redskins to bring his back his team back and winning that game. That was a good win for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I don't think Dallas looks all that great. I definitely think they're beatable. Even down in Dallas, I think they're beatable. But to tell you the truth, if the Lions go down there and they end up losing this game, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. Now, I'm sure I'm sure some of those people on that one side of the spectrum that think they're going 16 and 0. Those are probably the same fans that if they lose this game, they're going to say, oh, same old Lions, same old Lions. They lost, same old Lions. When, I, you know, I, that's not the case. you gotta, you got to take this on a week-to-week basis with this team because, I mean, they are, they're light years better than what they used to be a couple years ago. Jim Schwartz has done a very, very good job turning this team around. Martin Mayhew has done a really, really, really good job turning this team around. And they got him going in the right direction. There's no doubt about it. But I still think it's premature to be talking about the playoffs. There's a whole bunch of other things that need to happen in order for the Lions to make the playoffs this year. I, I, I still don't, I mean, as much as, you know, we everybody wants to discredit the Bears, you know, I still think that the Bears are going to be around you know, come the end of the season. Obviously, I think this is Green Bay's division. I think Green Bay is going to end up winning the division, going to the playoffs, and, you know, doing their thing in the playoffs. Now, you know, should there be some talk about the playoffs? I mean, will they be playing meaningful games towards the end of the season here? Sure. Absolutely, I think they will. Why? Because that NFC West is horrendous. So there is a, there is that outside chance that the Lions can back themselves into that wild card position, but I don't think they will. I mean, yes, that NFC West is horrid, but that also works into their own favor as well, considering they're going to be sitting there um, beating up on each other all year long as well. I'm talking, you know, San Francisco, Arizona, Seattle, and uh, what team am I missing? St. Louis. So, uh, you know... It's uh, it's 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 something that Lions fans they're either on one side or the other side. They're either overly critical or they're not critical nearly enough. And I and I still think the Lions need another year. They need another draft, and they need to get Matthew Stafford a you know a a full year under his belt. And I'll tell you what though, that Matthew Stafford, I mean, can we can we finally put those China doll? Um, arguments against him to rest. Can we do that? Because he's, I mean, especially this past weekend. This past weekend, that offensive line was horrendous. Jeff Backus was horrendous. Goster Cherilis was horrendous. That whole offensive line was horrendous. Matthew Stafford took a beating in that first half, yet he kept on popping back up, and he ended up leading the Lions to victory in the second half. Him and Calvin Johnson. And that's another thing, too. First, I, I mean, can we finally put those, can we finally put those, um, those Matthew Stafford, China Doll, you know, arguments to rest? I think it's time. I think, I definitely think it's time considering, you know, you know he he's he spent he took a beating last weekend and we're not hearing anything of him being hurt. We're not hearing anything of that shoulder. 
So, you know, it's it, it just seems like it's uh, that it, it that it's an argument that Lions haters want to keep on using against the team. Or those same people that are overly critical of the Lions. Now, Kelvin Johnson, I again, I think that, you know, Chris Carter was talking again about Kelvin Johnson. Saying, you know, how he, you know, he still wouldn't put him as, you know, in his, in his elite group of wide receivers. He wouldn't, you know, he named off his elite group of wide receivers as being, who did he name off again? He named off Roddy White of the Falcons. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald of the of the Cardinals. He named off who else did he name off? Um, Andre Johnson, obviously of the of the Houston Texans. Uh, who else did he name? Drake Jennings of the Green Bay Packers. And who was the last one he named off? Oh, why can't I think of it? I'm trying to think of that last one, and it and it should be right there in front of me right now. I just heard it. If I if if I remember, I'll I'll definitely say it. But, um, I mean, Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford are really starting to develop a really, really good chemistry right now, which is awesome. And the Lions need to win games, too. They need to show, for instance, they need to show Calvin Johnson that this team is in the right direction because they don't want to lose him. He's under contract next year. After next season, he will be a free agent. And it's still, you know, I still don't know what they're going to be doing with that. I mean... Obviously, they're gonna they're gonna be looking to re-sign them now. You know, they're gonna either you know hammer out a new contract sometime you know during this off season or sometime you know next year, or they're gonna put the franchise tag on them. But I don't want to get too much into that. That's way that's down the road still. Uh, that offensive line again. That's something else. I've I've actually defended the offensive line before with the Lions. Uh, you know, I think I thought Jeff Backus you know took way way too much uh, too much. Uh, you know criticism here in Detroit when he's he's not that bad of a of a of a left tackle, not at all. But there was some trouble and there were some concerns for that, for for the Lions' offensive line this past weekend. Now that's something that they're going to have to address, and that's something they're going to have to seriously address probably this off season. Which is another reason why, you know, I don't think that the Lions are going to be making the playoffs this year. Because they still have plenty of holes that need to be filled. They're not healthy at running back. Javid Best can't do it by himself. They need Mikel LaShore back next season to uh, develop that dual threat running game. Uh, that, um, you know, you want to talk about, you know, that offensive line again, too. It's 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 an aging offensive line. They need to get, you know, younger, better players there. There's no question about that. But I'll tell you what, it is serviceable. It is serviceable. Despite what happened this past weekend, I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, totally just, you know, come down, you know, all the way on that offensive line. I'm not going to do that just yet. I still need to see more from it. But it, it that is a hole still. Uh, you look on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, that defensive line is set. Uh, you know, maybe they want to, you know, start getting um, the the defensive end for uh, KVB set up. You know, to to take over for him because he's not the youngest guy in the world. He's still very, very good, but he's not going to be around forever. And then, you know, they've again they've got to look at resigning Cliff Averill after this season because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. They've got to make sure they get him signed. Um, on the uh, in the secondary, they still need some improvement in the secondary, whether it be cornerback 
or whether it be uh, at the safety position. Obviously, Lewis Delmas is a very good player, but he can't do it by himself. Uh, they're going to be taking a long, good, long, hard look at Amari Spave, see how he works out this season. Um, Chris Houston is a very is a good, good cornerback. I'm not sure about uh, you know about Eric Berry or you know or Wright for that matter. I I, I don't know how those guys are going to work out. They need a good, good, another good uh, cornerback in the mix there. This is and these are important positions too. Uh, they're they're. Linebackers are, are are much improved. I like this line, this linebacking core. But Stephen Tullock's only here for another season, so you've got a lot of stuff to do for next season as well. You know, worrying about Cliff Averill for next year and worrying about Tullock for next year. Are you going to bring him back on board? And he's going to cost a lot of money if he has a good season this year too. Justin Durant was a very good pickup, and DeAndre Levy, as long as he's staying healthy, it's they're going to be in good shape at linebacker. <coughs> um. You know, I'm going to go ahead. We're, we got to take another commercial break, though. We've got uh, Rob Hogan of Detroit Tigers Talk 24-7 coming up just about like five minutes after the top of the hour here. So make sure you stay tuned for that as we start discussing uh, the Detroit Tigers moving into the postseason here. So, again, stay tuned for that. This is Detroit Sports Weekly on Detroit.TheMajors.net. We'll be right back. This week's episode, Bobcat in the Cave. Gosh, Johnny, playing in the cave sure is neat. Oh, boy, a kitty cat. Cassie, the kitty cat's yelling. What, Sassy? It's not a kitty? It's a bobcat? Speaking of cats, you like to stress the importance of adopting cats from animal shelters? Over five million cats go into animal shelters every year? And with millions of healthy cats to choose from, it's a shame more people don't adopt from shelters? This bobcat's heavy. Help, Sassy! Why bother? We'll just get into more trouble tomorrow? What's that supposed to mean? Oh, nuts. Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Remember, adopt. You know that the ice cream scoop can make a child smile. And that by slowing us down, the traffic light can keep us going. You know that the lawnmower makes life easier. That the blood bank makes life possible. But did you know all these ideas came from the minds of African Americans? Support the United Negro College Fund. Because a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Visit uncf.org or call 1-800-332-UNCF. Brought to you by UNCF and the Ad Council. Once upon a time, old Scrooge sat down before the fire. Ah, humbug. With great astonishment, Marley's ghost came through the heavy door and passed into the room. What do you want with me? You will be haunted by three spirits. I'd rather not. To read A Christmas Carol and other books online, go to www.read.gov. Explore new worlds. Read. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council.
This is Adam Hernandez with a major sports update. Former Chicago White Sox manager Ozzie Guillen was introduced as the new Florida Marlins manager today in a press conference from South Beach. Guillen will take over the team next season as 80-year-old Jack McKeon finishes out the season with the Fish. Guillen's contract believed to be as for four years without no other terms being disclosed. Guillen said his coaching staff will include Joey Cora, who was the White Sox's bench coach. Eduardo Perez will remain as hitting coach, and Randy St. Clair will continue as pitching coach. A badly bruised hand isn't going to keep Michael Vick off the field. Vick practiced Wednesday and said there's a 100% chance he starts when the Philadelphia Eagles host San Francisco on Sunday. The star quarterback was initially diagnosed with a broken non-throwing hand after getting hurt in a 29-16 loss to the New York Giants three days ago, but tests on Monday revealed he had a contusion on his right hand. In NBA news, Kobe Bryant said it's very possible he will play in Italy during the NBA lockout, adding the country is like home because he spent part of his childhood there. Virtus Bologna has made numerous contract offers to the Los Angeles Lakers star. Bryant discussed the offer with the Gazzetta dello Sport during a sponsor's appearance in Milan on Wednesday. It's very possible it would be a dream for me, Bryant said, according to the Gazetta, there's an opportunity that we've been discussing over the last few days. It's very possible, and that's good news for me. For more, check out themajors.net, detroit.themajors.net. For all you Detroit fans, in the meantime, we'll get back to Detroit Sports Weekly. I'm Adam Hernandez. Hey everybody, welcome back to Detroit Sports Weekly on Detroit.themajors.net. 734-259-4941 is the number to call in. Uh, we've got Rob Hogan of Detroit Tigers Talk 24-7 uh, going to be calling here within the next uh, couple minutes uh, as we discuss the Tigers postseason. Obviously we have our, uh, our fan question up. What one thing about the Detroit Tigers are you most worried about as they head into the postseason? Uh, Larry says, I would say facing those Yankees, but I feel we could beat them. Bill says, the back end of the rotation and a couple of questionable arms in the pen. Need quality starts. Get the ball to Benoit and Papa. Um, I, I, can, I can agree with that. Um, obviously, there are going to be some uh, concerns with you know Rick Porcello and Max Scherzer, given that Rick Porcello is going to be that fourth starter for the for the Tigers in the postseason. But I can agree with that as far as the quality arms go in the bullpen, um, or questionable arms for that matter. Uh, you know, that that's definitely the case. I don't, I, you know, obviously Tigers fans aren't completely sold on Ryan Perry or Daniel Schlereth coming out of the pen. Um, and there's still some health concerns, I think, uh, surrounding Al Albuquerque's. But I definitely think he's going to be on that postseason uh, 
that that postseason roster. So, uh, also we have Garrett uh, mentioning uh, the Yankees fans, and you know that's that's funny. Garrett is uh, actually a Detroit Tigers talk twenty four seven as well. Uh, but Yankees fans, I actually saw this YouTube video on Yankees fans um, when they were playing the Tigers back in 2006, and that's and that's definitely true. I mean, at Yankee Stadium, uh, that is where this YouTube video was shot. They were they were brutalizing this uh, this Detroit Tigers fan there. So, other than that, though, we do have Rob Hogan on the line right now. Uh, Rob, Adam, how are you? Good, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome, awesome. Um, Rob Hogan, everybody, of Detroit Tigers Talk 24-7. That's uh, TigersTalk247.themajors.net is the website. And uh, you can catch him on Facebook as well. What's the? Do you know the exact address for your Facebook page? You yeah, guys have that? Uh, e- Facebook.com uh, forward, I'm sorry, backslash Detroit Tigers Talk. Awesome. Go ahead and check it out. It's an awesome site. Both of them are awesome, awesome sites. So make sure you check that out. Rob, we've got uh, the Tigers in their season finale tonight, the regular season finale tonight against the uh, against the Cleveland Indians, which is the tarp still on the field at Comerica? Oh, they're, they're, I've got it on right now. They're warming up. Awesome, awesome. So start on time great. And... Um, Obviously, this game is still important, considering that they have, uh, you know, there's still home field implications still at stake here with uh, with the Texas Rangers. If Texas obviously wins tonight, it's it, it doesn't matter. But if Texas loses and the Tigers win, uh, the Tigers obviously get home field advantage. So um, they they still have something to play for here. Uh, but other than that, though, the big questions heading into the postseason, aside of who they're going to be playing and where they're going to be playing, have to be those postseason rosters. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I think with, with injuries to begin, and, and it, I think it comes in, in the way Penny has pitched most of the year, I think picking the postseason roster is going to be fairly simple, simple for Jim Leland. I think... Uh, when it comes down to the last two players, you're probably position players. You're going to look at uh, Omer Santos and, and Will Rhymes. And uh, with not having much speed, I think that final spot is going to go to Rhymes. Danny Worth is also an option, but um, Jim has seemed to, to not want to play him a whole bunch and has, has only used him in, in pinch running. I, I don't foresee him putting him on the roster. Um, I think Worth is a little more versatile than what Will Rhymes is. But uh, Jim doesn't seem to want to play him. Yeah, so it, I, I think. When he, sorry, what? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I, I think when it comes down to that, I think the way he has used Will Ryan since he's came back up, there, there's something there that he likes, even though there there are other options at second base, and, and there's really not another option at shortstop besides Ramon Santiago, who will probably get most of the starts at second, I would imagine. Yeah, that's the thing with Jim Leland is you can definitely tell who he likes on that team and who he doesn't like. And I'm with you on that one. I mean, obviously he likes Danny, or not Danny Worth, I'm sorry, Will Rimes more than he likes Danny Worth simply because, you know, Danny or Will Rimes has been getting that playing time um, with the team since he's been called up uh, when those rosters expanded. Um, obviously, Alex Avila, Victor Martinez, Miguel Cabrera, Ramon Santiago are going to um, they're going to make it. Same thing with Johnny Peralta, Wilson Bediment. Um, Brandon Inge is definitely going to be on the postseason roster. I know there's a lot of Brandon Inge haters out there. Um, 
he starts, uh, if it's New York, he's, he's probably going to start game one against D.C. Oh, absolutely. I mean, left-handed pitcher. I mean, Jim Leland's already said it at the beginning, you know, when Brandon Inge came back that he's going to start him against uh, left-handed pitchers. You know, and that's despite Wilson Bediment being a switch. He's, he's, kept his, he's kept his word on that. Jim has a, a tendency of saying one thing and doing the other, but he has, he has kept his word with that. Yes, he has. Um, you know, and like you said, too, the, the big question marks uh, surrounding, you know, the position players on this team is going to be Omer Santos, it's going to be Carlos Guillen, it's going to be Will Rimes, it's going to be Danny Worth. And I personally think they should probably go with Carlos Guillen. And, I, and I'll tell you why. I, I like that, that switch-hitting bat coming off the bench. Now, I know there are lots of you know, concerns surrounding, uh, surrounding Carlos Guillen right now you know, with the injuries and, and, and whatnot. But the thing with Carlos Guillen is, is Jim Leland isn't going to be playing him in the field, so he, he really—I he, don't—I don't think he's going to have that big of a chance to get hurt, you know, playing in right. the postseason here. And I, but I don't think Jim Leland's going to go with that. I think Jim Leland is going to end up going with Will Rhymes. I think he's going to opt to go with the speed on the base paths. Um, he's going to go with that extra fielder that he could, uh, that he can, um, you know, put out there just in case. And uh, ultimately, like I said, I think that that's what he's going to go with. Um, but again, that Guillen's you know switch hitting bat coming off the bench um, is still very very intriguing to me. I, I agree. I think once we get if they can make it to the ALCS, we'll reevaluate that and see what uh, Carlos's health health wise is at. We we had a discussion the other day, and the thing I like of Guillen would be my preference is healthy. Um, that, that threat, he's always a threat to go deep. You have to pitch him carefully. Sure. And you, you don't get that with Will Rimes. A, a, a deep fly to center field isn't going to happen with Will Rimes. No. Um, so it, it, he's going to slap the ball around. N- not a fan Not a fan of Will Rimes, I will, I will add. Um, I, haven't been, haven't, I just haven't seen what, what the Tigers seem to see from him. Oh, you're not a fan of Busta, um, Rob? Car- Carlos with... with his health right now. I think they've ruled him out already for the for the ALDS. Yeah, it's it, yeah. I I think I heard that same thing too. What about what about Amir Santos? I mean, you know, right now as it stands, it, it would seem like uh, like Alex Avila is the only catcher suitable to be playing on the team now. Brandon Inch was a catcher with the Tigers before. Um, you know. You know, way way back, back. I'm talking back 2003, 2004. Well, they have said that they have said he is he's the emergency catcher. Mm-hmm. And I just I just, I can't see them wasting a, a roster spot for Santos, whose only position would be backup catcher. When, I, when you do have Inch and you do have Kelly, who are obviously Don Kelly's a lot more you know, a lot more positions available for him. He's a very valuable. He's going to get a lot of it back in the playoffs. Um, so when you have those two guys, I, I just cannot see any way that they would put Omir Santos. I, I think I don't think he's going to get sent home. Um, I think they'll send him down to maybe the Instructional League in Florida mm-hmm. for the uh, for the ALDS and then barring something you know something we don't want to see with an injury happen. So so he would be there, but I just see it highly unlikely that that he they would use a spot for someone who's 
going to be a one position only. Yeah, given the way that uh, Alex Avila has played the second half of the season, um, you know, in just the consecutive amounts of days that he's played the catching position, which is which is unheard of. I mean, usually you're seeing a catcher, your starting catcher, um, get the day off. You know, every you know three games which hasn't been the case with Alex Avila. He's been going, you know, almost nonstop, um, you know, throughout most of the, you know, second half of the season, up, you know, especially after Victor Martinez hurt his knee earlier in the year. But um, I'm with you on that one. I, I don't see Ormir Santos getting a spot with uh, with the team in the postseason um, simply because, you know, they do have Brandon Inge as that emergency catcher. And given the way that Leland has played Avila, um, this final stretch of, you know, this final stretch of the season, um, I don't see him switching things up, you know, in the playoffs. I think with Alex, he's 24 years old. Absolutely. Yes. If, he was, if he was 34, we, we may look at other options with that. Yeah, but uh, at 24, I, I don't think they want to make a habit of it every year if it don't have him catching as many innings as no. he has. But I, I think it's in the, the case now where they're going to ride the horse and, and get what they get from it. Sure. Um, let's so far, it's been good. So. Yes, absolutely. It's been. It's been. I don't. I don't think anybody expected this out of Alex Avila this year, and we can all hope as Tigers fans that it continues um, throughout the postseason and on to next season as well. Uh, the starting rotation, uh, Rob. Right now, it's Justin Verlander, Doug Fister. That's your two-headed monster. You know, heading into the uh, into into the ALDS. Um, with Max Scherzer following them up, and and Jim Leland said this is how it's going to be, um, no matter where they play and who they and who they uh, open up against. So I mean, if if they open up at home, it's still going to be Justin Verlander, Doug Fister. If they open up on the road, it's still going to be Justin Verlander, Doug Fister, with Max Scherzer pitching that last game. What do you think of that? I think they're pretty evenly matched between the three. I I, I looked through the the uh, statistics between all three of them. Uh, this morning, and, and they're and they're pretty evenly matched. Each one seems to have one team that, that kind of gets them a little bit, for the exception of JV. The A's had a combined 256 uh, Verlander. Um, and, and when it comes to Max Scherzer, he's 158 team average against the Rays, 202 against the Yankees, but the Red Sox hit him for 344. Yeah, I it... I kind of see the same thing with Fister, for the exception of the Yankees. They hit him about 300, and they have had several at-bats to get him against him. Max and, and Verlander, they, they have limited at-bats. Uh, obviously, with playing in the East. And then uh, Fister, we've seen him a little bit more playing in the West for a while and then, and then coming over to the Central. He's been able to see, face them a little bit more. But, but they're, statistically, nobody really stands, jumps out of any of the three on any of those three rosters of somebody that owns them. Yeah, and I and I and I agree with you. I mean, that, and this is why I really don't want the Tigers to face Tampa Bay just because of the amount of success that Tampa Bay has had against our against the Tigers' top ace and Justin Verlander. They've 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 played very very well against Justin Verlander, which, you know, and like you said too. I mean, you look at some of these other possible pitching rotations that they're going to be going up against um aside from uh Tampa Bay New York and uh, Boston isn't really that impressive, um, considering Boston's right now riddled with injuries. Uh, John Lackey's having, you know, all sorts of, you know, personal problems with, you know, and with the media as well. And the Yankees, I still don't think they have anybody outside of CC Sabathia. I don't think I don't think the Tigers should be afraid of an of an AJ Burnett. Um, but that, I mean, 
that fourth spot, though, on the Tigers' rotation, it's still up in the air, it seems like, between Rick Porcello, Brad Penny. Obviously, Rick Porcello is going tonight, and the Tigers are going to get one last shot, one last good look at Rick Porcello before the, uh, before the postseason rolls around, which I think it's going to go to Rick Porcello, to tell you the truth. I agree. When Rick's on top of his game, he gets a lot of ground balls. And when you're looking at going into Fenway or Yankee Stadium, Someone with a lot of ground balls could really play a big role. And I, I, Brad Penny has, has been given every opportunity, and he, he doesn't make adjustments. No. He, he goes out. He doesn't want to establish a second pitch. He throws a lot of fastballs. And against those two or any of those three lineups, actually, Tampa obviously is the worst hitting of the three. Sure, yes. They're 25th in the league at team average of like 244. Um, but one thing I did notice that when I was looking through the statistics today, one person that jumps out at everyone of all the pitch choice, he hits everyone. Yes. Uh, all the Tigers, he hit them. But it, when it comes to Porcello, it's just the ground balls. When he's on the top of the game, now, now what does scare me a little with him is he seems to be good one month, bad the next. Well, except then his good month. What, what do we get come October? Yeah, and that's and that's and then and and I think you and that I were that, that's what that's what scared me. But I would if Leland had said he is not going to throw JV on short rest in the ALD. So when you come down, I don't think that that's even a tough decision. The upside of Rick Marcello is is much higher, and I think it doesn't leave you much choice but but to throw him now. If they come down two games to one, will Leland change his mind? The, the heat that he would take of letting the season end with Rick Porcello on the mound, does that affect him? Yeah. I, he, in 09, he yanked him, he yanked Rick pretty early against Minnesota, if mm-hmm. you recall. And he caught some heat, you know, maybe he should have let him in because he was the best option. So what if he's not the best option? Yeah, and that's and that's the thing with uh with with Jim Leland too is I think that you know if it comes down to it I still believe that Jim Leland will adjust how he um how he goes about this pitching staff um for instance like you said if the Tigers are you know down two one or down o two um you know in the ALDS so um but again he he did go to Rick Porcello in game 163 to start the game out and Rick Porcello looked pretty good when he was pitching that so um I definitely think that he's going to go with Rick Porcello for everything that you said too you know when he's on his game he does get that that ground ball working for him and Brad Penny Brad Penny is a you know he's a serviceable fifth starter in this league and that's what he is now and but the only problem with that is is you don't use a five man rotation in the playoffs, so and they've got to be they've got to be ecstatic that they got the innings that they got from him in, in ten wins. Sure, oh, he ended up with eleven wins. How many teams have that on fifth starter? They don't. They, not many teams do. And you know, you look back at the choice at the choice the Tigers had between uh, between Brad Penny and Armando Galarraga in spring training. Obviously, Dave Dombrowski made the right move in, in getting yeah. Brad Penny. Um, this is this is Rob Hogan, Detroit Tigers Talk 24-7, talking uh, Tigers playoff roster right now. Moving on to the relievers, um, obviously they're going to go with Jose Valverde, Joaquin Benoit, 
El Albuquerque, I think, is going to be on there. Daniel Schlereth. Uh, Ryan Perry, I believe, will make this roster as well. And you could say the same for Dwayne uh, Bilo and Phil Coke. Um, that leaves uh, probably David Pauly, I think, and Brad Penny still off of this playoff roster in terms of... Uh, I, I, had a, I have a doubt of that, too, between the last... I, I have Penny just no consideration. And, and maybe that's not fair, but... Jimmy, you're going to see something that we don't, okay? Um, but I have it down to Ryan Perry and David Pauly. And I think we, they both been in some key situations. Ryan Perry, I, I think, is going to be the pick because of being a hard thrower. He, he's been in some hold situations. Since he's came back up, he has pitched effectively. I, I don't think David Pauly has gotten the work that he's needed. He went at one one stretch nine, ten days in a row without pitching. And he's still going to be one of the league leaders in appearances, but an overwhelming majority of those were with Seattle. Yeah. And, and I just think Ryan Perry, with, with his style, I think that's what they're looking for. And so Paulie seems to be, he wants to use him as a long man. And I think Milo would, would be his guy in the playoffs if that was needed. And I, you know what? I totally agree with you there as well. It's, uh, it's, you know, David Pauly, like you said, simply hasn't gotten enough looks since he's gotten here, since he's come to Detroit. I mean, you, you don't, you don't see him too often. If, if there is a long relief situation that Leland needs to go to, he's going to go to Bilo and that's why Bilo is going to end up making it. Um, obviously you need, you need that left-handed arm coming out of the pen and Phil Coke and uh, like you said as well, it seems like you know Jim Leland has certain players that he likes, and Ryan Perry is one of those pitchers that he likes to throw out there from time to time because I think he is a hard thrower. And ever since he did come back up from AAA, he's been better than what he was before. Same thing with Daniel Schlereth. Uh, but yeah, Schlereth has been impressive. Yes, impressive this time. He. Uh... Perry has—I've I, I never put Perry in an impressive category. He—he he certainly got some control since he went back down. Um, Schlereth just seems to be so putting it all together. Yeah, and that's—and it's a great time to do it. Yeah, and that's and that's the type of player that Schlereth is, and that's and that's what type of player that he has the potential to be. Um, I still thought that they brought him up too early in his career. I still think he probably should have spent. You know this entire season down in the minors. You know working, working on things down in Toledo. Um, but you know what? Like you said, he's he's coming up. He's pitching well, and he's pitching well at the right time. So, um, but moving along from from our rosters right now, uh, Rob, there are some other things. You know, and we kind of touched on it as well. Is is the first season matchups? Obviously, it's going to come down to. Uh, the Yankees, Boston, or Tampa Bay, depending on what those teams do and what happens tonight with the Tigers in Texas. Uh, but, I mean, out of those teams right now, it seems like, the, in my opinion, the best situation for the Tigers is them getting home field and them playing the Red Sox in the ALDS, considering, you know, the amount of, you know, just the problems that they have right now with their pitching staff and, in just the way, it just seems like Boston's in a total tailspin right now. What do you think? Well, they've got an ERA of 7.34 over the month of September. They've won, I believe, five games, which is the worst month of September 
that, that they've had in, I think it was 30 years. I think that's the perfect scenario. That, that would be who you want. Um, as I was looking through this, this, my, my stuff this morning and, and comparing stuff, I'm still I'm convinced the Tigers, and not just because I'm a fan of the Tigers, I'm convinced the Tigers can win all three series. I think with, with the pitching, the clutch hitting that, that we have, and all the way down the lineup, there's you never know. Everyone, all nine, is capable of, of producing that, that big hit at any point. I think any of they can win any of the series. Tampa Bay, as I'm looking through, they're, they're pitching right now. They've been pitching guys on short rest. With their lineup, I think if it's not Boston at home with Tampa Bay, would, would, would be far off from Boston just because they've been throwing guys on short rest for the last two weeks. Yeah. So if you look at, you know, if you look through, through the hitters, You've got really two guys on the Rays that, that really that really hit up Verlander, Justin Upton and Matt Joyce. Yeah, and they're I, both over four hundred. Yeah, and I, and I'll tell you what, too, Rob. It seems like the best, the absolute best situation that the Tigers can get out of this is 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 uh, Boston and Tampa Bay both winning tonight and heading to that playoff game tomorrow. And then having their pitchers pitch on even shorter rest because if I if I remember correctly, uh, Tampa Bay would pitch James Shields tomorrow night, and yeah, you would have to right. think and you would have to think that Boston would go with John Lester. So obviously they wouldn't be starting Game One, but they would have to pitch Game Three. I and, think I read they would start Wade. Tampa would start Wade Davis in, in Game One. Wade Davis, okay. And he's, but let me ask one thing: if if you're Jim Leland and you look at these three, any, any of those three series scare you? No, they don't. If I was Jim Leland, no, they would, and I'm sure they don't scare him because, like you said earlier, too, Rob, it's none. The Tigers can beat any one of these teams. I think it's, I think it's very different from the National League, um, whereas you have. Philadelphia, who is the odds-on favorite to make it to the World Series coming out of the National League, I don't think there's a team in the National League to beat that has that that can beat Philadelphia. I, Milwaukee might have that outside chance, but I think Milwaukee's it. Other than that, it's going to be Philadelphia um, making it to the World Series out of the National League. In the American League, though, I mean, you really wouldn't be able. You, I, I don't think you could be surprised out of any outcome. I mean, I don't think any Tigers fans should be really surprised if the Yankees end up beating the Tigers or if the Tigers end up beating the Yankees or if Boston ends up beating the Tigers or the Tigers end up beating Boston. Same thing with Tampa Bay. It seems like it's very, very, very wide open right now in the American League, and, and anything can happen. When you look at those three, the three possible opponents, in the, they, have, they all have some kind of issue. Sure. The, the Yankees, they've got a solid one. They're going to throw a, a rookie in the two spot and Freddie Garcia in the three. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, you got you to figure Bartolo Colon's going to be going in there, too, somewhere. They, I read that they're going to go three-man rotation. Three-man rotation. Okay. And that's probably and that's smart. Cologne out of, out of the pen. But when you go down through it and look at, look at the number, you know, I don't think any of them has faced Nova. Um, 
had that I had it written down. But uh, yeah, Nova uh, Vmart was 0 for one with two walks was the only one that really and, and Cabby 0 for one. So they've all got about one at bat against Nova. But you look and see, see the math. Yeah, Miguel Cabrera is nine for sixteen, two home runs, five sixty three average. Yeah, and there's your number one. So any of any of those matchups doesn't scare me. Texas doesn't scare. We we've seen them head to head this year. And they've done played very well against Texas this year. I, and I don't. And I and I think a lot of people are kind of. I don't think people realize that considering it was earlier in the year that we played Texas. And then like and like you said, they they played very, very well against Texas. So you're absolutely right. I am not scared at any of these teams, which is why, you know, yeah, I would like to have home field, you know, going into the playoffs. It'd be great. It'd be great having those, you know, those guaranteed two games at Comerica, you know, because the city would be, you know, all lit up. It'd be a big party down there. It'd be great for the city. But if they don't get it, you know, it's not something that, you know, Tigers fans should lose sleep over either. Um, but other than that, the, the only thing that makes me lose sleep on the home field is not going to be at, I got a ticket for game one. Those selfish reasons, I would love to see JV on Friday night. Yes. <laughs> but Max Scherzer going in the third spot, I would, I would much rather see him at home. His ERA is, is under four at home. He's, it's almost Jekyll and Hyde with him. Yeah, but I, when it comes down, that's the only player that stands out that, for why. I, I think the home field is, is a little overrated. And I, you know, and, and I was thinking about that today too. I'm like, oh man, maybe you know, if they're going to be pitching Max on the, in the third game, then maybe they should start out in, in New York. But uh, <laughs> we had we had quite the debate on, on the Tiger Talk Facebook page about that. Is a lot of people didn't didn't understand. They, they kept saying, "Well, Fister's your number two. Fister's your number two. And the point that we were trying to make with it was, yes, we, we know Fister's the number two, but Max's numbers are so much better at home that if they had home field advantage, my preference, in my opinion, Max would should be starting the second game yeah. because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, it, if they lose home field, it works out the best-case scenario matchup-wise, in my opinion. Yep, absolutely. I totally agree with you. Uh as far as Jim Leland and Dave Dombrowski, um, Jim Leland, he, I think he's done a great job with this team this year. Um, he did take a lot of criticism, you know, throughout the entire year, you know, with his lineups and, you know, the way he's managed things, you know, whether it be the pitching staff, the batting order, so on and so forth. I think he's done a tremendous job considering this team right now, uh, you know, wasn't expected to be in the position they're at. In my opinion, I think a lot of experts going into the season were picking the Tigers to, you know, probably finish third in the AL Central. Uh, and I think, you know, because of all that, because the Tigers are in the playoffs, that, you know, he should, you know, he should probably get AL Manager of the Year. That is, if Joe Madden doesn't get in. Now, if Joe Madden ends up getting in with Tampa Bay to the playoffs, I definitely think Joe Madden gets, uh, gets AL Manager of the Year without question, considering everything I, that... I agree. Yeah, considering everything that Tampa Bay lost. Now, they took his, they took his, his power, they took his speed, and look where he's at. Absolutely. It's, yeah. It's, it, I think Dombrowski deserves credit. He, he made three moves that he should, if he's not executive of the year or GM of the year, whatever the award is going to be called, then, then it hurts to be enough for Detroit. 
Um, Leland, I, I, the reason I don't think of Leland is it seems after he got the contract, I, I'm strictly speculation, I haven't read anything, I haven't heard anything. He, he seemed to, last time we talked, we talked about the lineups that almost seemed like they were pulled out of a hat. Yep. And he, he didn't have that sense of urgency to win. And, and, it, and I'm probably as far from the truth as, as it could be, but that's the way that he made, made it appear. He gets the contract extension. He starts. He gets Wilson Bettamy, and he starts playing a pretty regular lineup, and they start winning. Now, when he got his contract, was something said to him? Was, was some heat put on him to start playing a regular lineup? And I think at times the, the Tigers won in spite of Jim Leland. And I know that it's winning and, and people are, oh, well, they're winning, you can't complain. Well, it's not really complaining when you're pointing things out about that he's done. And I just don't think you can, I think he's in the conversation. I think most of the experts had Tigers around an 85, like you said, third, you know, third place team, about 85 wins. So they've exceeded expectations. But those moves that were made at the trade deadline with Young and Fister and Benami is what put it over the top. And, and I, I wouldn't put Jim Leland as manager of the year. I, I would put Joe Mann. You know, it, for me, as far as manager of the year goes, it's 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 all about making the playoffs. That's what it's all about, you know. At, at first glance in baseball, it's, you know, is your, you know, are you going to win your division? Are you going to, are you going to go ahead and make the playoffs? And, and that's what I rest everything on. Um, in my opinion, obviously it's different with other people. Obviously it's different with you. Um, but for me, it's, it's all about making the playoffs with your team. And it seems like that's what it's usually like with, with a lot of the baseball writers that end up voting on, on manager of the year, whether it be in the national league or whether it be in the American league. Most times than not, it's going to be somebody from, uh, you know, somebody a manager that takes his team to the playoffs. Um, but, you know, I mean, if if Joe Mann were to win it, nobody can argue with that, really. I mean, well, simply because it, it, of, could, the argument could be that the playoffs started last week for Joe Mann. Sure, I mean, yeah, or or tonight for that matter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you, yeah. Um, well, even given when the National League, when, you know, you're. You're at win and go home. Your playoffs really have started. Sure. Yup. And so, so even even if they do don't make the wild card, the argument still could be that Joe Madden had him in had him in the playoffs. They were they were in until the final day. And I think Joe Girardi won a couple of years ago in Florida. Yeah, and, he did. Uh, on, when the team didn't uh, didn't make the playoffs, but to to take away what has been taken away from Joe Madden, he, he's got a way of of inspiring his guys. And that may be that, and that may be that special uh, circumstance that some of these writers look at, you know, when they go ahead and cast their ballot for, uh, for AL manager of the year, is given everything that Joe Mann did lose uh, this past off season. Um, one I think last, going to get a lot of votes from, from a lot of the writers because of the heat that he took. Sure, absolutely. And, and then to, to come back and then win the division, and I think he'll get some votes just for you know people. A lot of people gain respect for him. Because they came back and, and, and have done what they've done. Absolutely. Um, one last thing, though, Rob. Before we uh, before we close things out tonight, we had our we had our fan question up. Um, you know, on on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Majors X. Uh, what one thing about the Detroit Tigers are you most worried about as they head into the postseason? Uh, Larry said, "I would say facing those Yankees, but I feel we could beat them." 
Bill says the back end of the rotation in a couple of questionable arms in the pen, need quality starts, get the ball to Benoit and Papa. And then Garrett, <laughs> Garrett from Detroit Tigers Talk 24-7 said the Yankees fans. Um, yes, I think Yankees fans are definitely brutal. And I was talking earlier about a YouTube video I saw about, you know, Yankees fans is getting on this Tigers fan back in 2006. But I, th- I, like, I like what Bill had to say as far as um, the back end of the rotation, whether it be Max Scherzer and Rick Porcello and some of those questionable arms coming out of the pen, like a Daniel Schlereth and like a Ryan Perry. Those are probably my biggest concerns with the Tigers as they head into the ALDS. Scherzer for Solo would be mine, um, just because they are consistently inconsistent. Yes. That that would be, with, with, with Verlander, you saw him at his worst the other night. And even at his worst, they were in the game. Yep. Um, Fister's number, is Fister our ace right now? (laughs) His numbers have have been so good. You know, obviously with Verlander, people are always going to get crazy, but what is he, he's eight and one since he's coming to the Tigers? If you want to say he's the ace of September, I guess, you know, you you can say that. You'll get some argument, but you can say that (laughs) and still hold a... I think we have a good idea what we're going to get from those two. Absolutely, yes. And, and if, if you're going to go, if you're going to talk to it, it's, I would. I trust the bullpen arms more than I trust Scherzer or Porcello. Look at look at Max last night. He came out with great stuff, looked good, and all of a sudden something, and he's done. He's out. He's almost like a Jeremy Bonderman in a, in a sense, where Jeremy Bonderman, it always seemed like you know if it wasn't early in the game that he had his trouble, there would be that one inning. You know, for the most part, with Jeremy Bonderman, that he would, you know, he would just totally blow up and just blow the rest of the game. Now, I think Max Scherzer is is, is much better than Jeremy Bonderman, but I, I see that same similarity between the two. And it's and it was it was the same it was the same way last year, and it, it doesn't seem to be changing. And it he may never be that two or three. He may realistically be a four or five. He could be. I mean, the thing is, though, with uh, Max Scherzer, he's still relatively young, and um, they still have some time to work with him. They still have some time. Oh, same thing. Same thing with Rick Porcello too. I th- I think a lot of people get the you know think that Rick Porcello has been in the ma- and it certainly seems like he's been in the major leagues for for years and years and years. And this guy's only what is he twenty one years old? I mean, he's still a very very young guy. Yeah, yeah, and, and to add one other thing that is something that, that scares me, the uh, the leadoff spot scares me. Yep, with Austin um, Jackson. Yep. Yeah, the the batting averages this year from from the leadoff spot is, is under two fifty. Yeah, and, and you're you're gonna I I find it highly unlikely that he would start Andy Dirks and that Leland would start Andy Dirks in the center field in the playoffs. I think you'll see Austin Jackson every game, but uh, he he is very very streaky. And uh, that Golden Big, we don't have speed. Um, his speed in the outfield is, is all we have. We don't have any speed on the base base pass, and I, he scares me a little. I agree. But uh, when you have, I think the lineup is so stacked that you can afford to have a guy slump. Uh, oh. We hope that it's not in the playoffs, but with the rotation, if, if you're three and four guys slump, you need to be back in your bag is going home very quickly. Rob, thank you so much for uh, for joining us tonight. This is Rob Hogan, Detroit Tigers Talk twenty four seven. We'll be talking to you. Uh, we'll be talking to you again soon, though. 
I look forward to it. Have a great night. All right. Have a great night, Rob. That was Rob Hogan, like I said. Detroit Tigers Talk 24-7. Um, find him on the web, tigerstalk247.themajors.net, and um, also on their Facebook page as well. So, Again, great, great sites from both of them. Um, and again, you know, we'll be talking to Rob and, you know, you know, talking to those guys from Detroit Tigers Talk 24-7 as, uh, as we move on to the postseason here with the Detroit Tigers. Other than that, though, we are out of time. Um, we've got Grouty Radio coming up next over on the majors.net. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Tigers playoffs ALDS. Ladies and gentlemen, coming up this Friday, definitely, definitely, definitely going to be a big event. I just want to say thank you to Rob Hogan of Detroit Tigers Talk 24-7 one last time for joining us tonight. Like I said, we'll be talking to him again soon. So everybody have a great, great rest of the week. Go Tigers. We will see you next time.